Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to recap for you what we discussed last Sunday. The series is called The Church Defined. It's a four-part series. We're going to go through the end of this month. And we were looking at where the church was formed. Uh, we see on the day of Pentecost where the promised Holy Spirit had arrived. Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 2, by the way, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. The promised Holy Spirit had arrived. There was miracles that had occurred. The crowd was confused because of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And when they were confused, they ended up saying things like, oh, these people are weird. These people are, are um, they are drunk. Um, and Peter addressed that and said, look, it's only 9 a.m. Okay, uh, they're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. And then he began to explain exactly what that was. And what that was, was the church that had formed. And we read in the book of Acts that the church, the church was formed and that we as a church are an offspring of that original church that was formed. We are an offspring that we can physically see when we read the text in Acts chapter 2, the activities that they did, we still do to this day because of the example. We also talked about how the church was created by Christ in order to fulfill the mission that he had started. The idea was by Jesus. He was the creator of the church. He's the sustainer of the church. He's the founder of the church. And a lot of times I think we've kind of forgotten that. And so we looked at the fact that it's very important that as the church... And last Sunday's message was that we gather together as the church. We gather together. And why that gathering together is so important. It's so important for a number of reasons. But we looked at, we looked at the fact that we are here to glorify God and to edify other people. And I said this honestly, and I don't want to hurt feelings, but I did say this honestly if you're constantly watching online church, you are not edifying other people. You're not. And I'm going to say this too. If you're constantly watching online church, yeah, you can glorify God. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something that happens whenever a group of followers of Jesus come together and glorify God in a corporate way. There's something that happens. There's something that seems to get God's attention. We looked at and we're looking at our purpose as the church, our mission as the church, our goal as the church, and our calling as the church. And so today, last week we talked about gathering. This week we read from Acts chapter 2 verse 42. <clears throat> Let's read from what it says. One verse today. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, 
and to prayer. Acts chapter 42 looks a whole lot like what happens every other week at my house. Verse 42 sounds a lot like what happened yesterday morning at the women's ministry. It also looks like what happens on various days when our women gather together. It looks like what happens, I believe it's Tuesday mornings at 5.30, is that right Elijah? 5.30 on Tuesday mornings? Whenever men gather together for that time. It looks a lot like what is happening now as we sit in here. The children are back in the back and they're gathered together. That's what they're doing. And they're learning from God's word. It looks a lot like what will happen this evening at five o'clock when our student ministry will gather together. I've always been very confused. Now, listen, I'm a youth pastor, so former youth pastor, been there, done that. I've always been very confused as to why parents would be not willing to drive their kid to student ministry. When a church, when a church is literally paying a person to directly minister to the issues that your children face, and they are paying someone who will be an advocate, who will teach them, who will guide them, who will direct them. I've always been confused as to why a parent wouldn't make their kid go and learn. And here's the cool thing. The messages aren't, they're not geared for today, the, what I'm doing today. They're geared for the students at where they are. I've always been confused as to why they wouldn't want an advocate who they can call whenever you're telling them one thing. And the youth pastor is going to tell them the same thing. Trust me, I've been there and done that a thousand times. I've always been confused as to why, as a parent, you would not want your your children to be saturated with God's Word as much as possible because they're being saturated with the world every single day. Every single day. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. Today... Last week we gathered, today we become disciples. That's the next thing that the church does. As an individual today, this is about an individual, we become disciples. We all know, if I look at Matthew here, let me turn to you. Everybody knows what I'm going to read. The last thing, let me tell you something. One of the the most important things we do is we seek we seek out what, um, what, what is the most important thing oftentimes is what someone will say before they leave, before they depart, before they go. We often do this when people are dying. What is the, you know, what is the final thing you want to say? What is the final word you want to have? Well, this was Jesus' final word that he had. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples, there it is, to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you even to the end of the age. Becoming a disciple was a huge thing for Jesus. Now let me tell you how this happens. 
oftentimes in our modern day church. Here's how it happens. In our modern day church, what will happen is, is that we will have someone that will decide to turn their life over to Christ. So maybe they are coming out of a situation where they never glorified God. They didn't know God. For me, for me, I, I told you guys this. I was 16 years old before I even realized what Christmas was even for. I thought it was Santa Claus, period. And I was 16, living in the buckle of the Bible belt. I told you I thought Easter, you didn't know what Easter was for. I thought Easter was for solid bunnies. Not hollow bunnies, solid bunnies. I was clueless. And so when I had a revelation of and understood the teachings of Christ, I immediately had a desire to learn more about Christ. And so what we have in oftentimes in churches, though, is that people will have a desire. They will give their hearts. They will literally, they will go through the process of giving their hearts over to God. They will believe, is how we define it. They will believe the words of Christ. And they will turn their life over to Christ and everyone will celebrate that day. And then what oftentimes happens is that person is left on their own to be discipled. Can I tell you something? If the only message you're getting is what I'm doing today, you are starving to death for the word of God. You are. If this is all you're getting, you're starving to death. And so what a lot of churches do is, is they brag about their baptisms. But man, I want to be a church that not only brags about our baptisms, I want to brag about our discipleship. I want to brag about, about watching lives change, not just at the, at the point of baptism, because that happens. Man, once Holy Spirit comes... And once, once you, you come out of those waters, you know what I'm saying? Once you've made a decision and you go before people and you're like, listen, I am saved. I want to tell everybody I'm saved. And you, get, you, you go in this water and you come out and you, you get fired up. There's things that happen immediately. But the sanctification process is a lifetime. And as a church, we need to be focused just as much on salvation uh, on, on discipleship as we are salvation. Are you with me? Are you with me? We need to be doing that. And a lot of times what will happen is, is that we, you, us, we will not take advantage of, we, we will be frustrated because we feel stress or we have problems in our lives and we feel all these things, yet we will not take advantage of the avenues that the church has offered in order for you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. We won't do it. We won't. We think that Sunday's enough. And we think that friendships are enough. But the reality is, is they're not. We become disciples. How are disciples defined? Here it is. It's one who it heirs to and shares the teaching of another. It's one who it heirs to and shares the teaching of another. In our case, it is Christ himself. We adhere to the teaching of Christ, and then we share the teaching of Christ to other people.
What we're really talking about here, you guys, is spiritual growth. It's spiritual growth within us is what we're talking about. And I want to tell you, here, here's, I'm going to tell you what spiritual growth is, but I want to tell you what spiritual growth is not. And I want you to listen to this. Spiritual growth is not having the ability to quote scripture. That's not spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not praying for an hour every day. That's not spiritual growth. Reading your Bible every day is not spiritual growth. It's not. Coming to church every time the doors are open is not spiritual growth. It's not. Eating Chick-fil-A four times a week is not spiritual growth. It's smart, but it's not spiritual growth. Can I tell you what those things are with the exception of the Chick-fil-A? Those things are disciplines that lead to spiritual growth, becoming a disciple. Those are disciplines that lead to it, but those things by themselves are not, are not spiritual growth. I don't want you to be confused about that. They're disciplines that lead to spiritual growth. What is spiritual growth then? I'm glad you ask. Spiritual growth is this. It's very, very simple. Becoming more and more like Christ. Period. That's it. That's it. Philippians 2 verses 12 through 16 says this. Philippians 2 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is, listen, it is even more important. Okay? It says, work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and Fear. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do, here it is, what pleases him. He's working in you. And it says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Can we leave it? Can we go back to that? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Just in case you guys missed that. Do everything. Everything. How much? Everything. Without complaining and arguing Verse, verse 15 says this. Do we have it? Yes. So that no one can criticize you. Here it is. Leave clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And then finally, I think we got 16 up there. It says this. It says, hold firmly to the word of life then. On the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain so that my work was not useless. What, what Paul's saying is become more and more and more like Christ. Right before the section I just read, right before it, it says this is the attitude you should have. And it's a long list of everything that Christ did. It's a long list of everything that Christ did. The fruit of the Spirit is a great example of spiritual growth. Can I tell you something? Fruit doesn't lie. It doesn't. I want to tell you something else that's true. Back whenever we first started, my thought was, was that we would see fruit, and fruit would be defined as the number of people whose backsides were in the seats. That would be fruit. Fruit would be the number of people that came to the church. If so many people came to the church. If we had 500, 600, 800, 1,000, if that many people came to the church, then we would be saying we have fruit to show that the church is healthy. I have since learned that that's a lie. That's a lie. 
Because you know how I know? Because I will not skip over passages that are hard for people. Because the gospel is offensive. And I won't do that. And so I have taught those things and people have left. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I teach fluffy bunny Christianity, which is an oxymoron, by the way, if I teach that, then people will fill up the seats. The scripture defines it as hearing what their itching ears want to hear, listening to what their itching ears want to hear. You will feed that and they'll like it. And the, but here's the thing. Me telling you half of the truth is no truth at all. It's not. I need to tell you the full truth. And I found out over the years that when you, when you preach the full truth, even when it's difficult and hard, and even when sometimes I myself am like, gosh, man, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I submit to this, but I wish sometimes it wasn't in there. You know, I submit to it, but gosh, this is a hard one. God, your ways are higher than my ways. I don't know why this is, but it is. And so what I found is, is that there's not a numerical, there's not a numerical fruit. There's not. Let me tell you what is the fruit of the church. Lives changed because they are becoming more and more like Christ. That is the truth. That's the truth. So what do you ask yourself? Let me tell you what you ask yourself. Am I closer to looking more like Christ than I was a few years ago? How you answer that question will define your spiritual growth. And if you're becoming more and more like Christ, you are becoming a disciple of who he is. You're following his teachings and you're sharing with other people. What does becoming a disciple look like? There's a couple things I want to go over with you. The first one is this, is that we connect with God individually. I want, to hear, I want you to hear that. We connect with God individually. I, I said a while ago, quoting scripture, having an, a, a, you know, praying for an hour, Bible reading, those kind of things. Those are things that we do because we want to connect with God individually. And that's the first step in becoming a disciple. I want to caution you about something, though. Because I have people that tell me that, man, I tell you what, I've tried to pray for an hour. You know, they have a friend that prays for an hour every morning. And listen, I think that is incredible. I really do. I think it's incredible. But I want you to know something. I want to let you off the hook a little bit. If I started praying for an hour every morning, especially in the morning, about 25 minutes in, I'd be dead asleep. I would be. I would be. Either I would be dead asleep or I would be thinking about other things. My mind would be wondering. And I want to tell you something that used to really bother me. Because some of the great pastors that I've followed and some of the great theologians that I've followed and some of the godly men that I've followed, they all had these prayer times that were long and there were books written about the value of, of, of having these hour-long sessions or two-hour sessions of prayer. And I think that is a fantastic thing to do. Personally, I myself have never been able to do that. 
my brain, for some reason, won't allow me to do that. And no, it's not the enemy attacking me. It's not. Because I've had people tell me that. Well, that's just the devil. No, it's not the devil. I've lived with me since I was me. All right? It's not the devil. It's that I have attention deficit and I'm sleepy in the mornings. That's what it is. Let's don't see a devil, a demon around every tree. And so I was like, listen, what? and I talked to God about it. And finally, I got so much freedom because God said, listen, not everybody connects with me in the same way. And we see that all through the Bible, by the way. Did you guys know that? We see it all through the scriptures. We want, as, as followers of Jesus, oftentimes what we want is, is I always tell people this, and there's none in the back, I want to promise you, but churches, what they do is when someone gives their life to Christ, they pull out this cutout of what a Christian should look like, and they try to shove them through it. Okay, this is what you have to look like. And then they pop out the other side, this clone of what the other people are, are like. You know what I mean? And I realize, no, that's not what God wants me to be. As a matter of fact, God can use me more whenever he created me. He can use me more whenever I follow that creation that he had. And he has a different plan for me than he does, say, my wife. Because my wife loves to sit and she gets a study. She'll get these study study uh, things, the study books. She'll order them on Amazon. And every morning, between about 6.15 and 6.45 or 7 o'clock, she'll sit on the couch with the dog and she'll have her Bible open and she'll go through these study things. And she does this almost every morning. You know what I mean? And she prays and, and she does all these things. And, and, and I mean like long time praying and all this kind of stuff. And uh, for a while it made me want to puke. I was like, oh, I'm a spiritual woman. Ooh. You know what I mean? And I, here I am, the preacher, right? I'm like, okay, maybe you need to be a preacher and I need to be the counselor. That would be a disaster, by the way, if I was your counselor. I know. Can you imagine me being a counselor, especially at a school? I'd be like, yeah, you're good. Uh, go ahead. No one will graduate. But, but I, I, I did. It bothered me. And I realized, you know what? That's not how I was made. I was not made that way. What I was made to do is, is connect with God continually throughout the day. And that's what I do. I do. Now, I'm not telling you I don't have prayer time because I do have prayer time. And I love my prayer time. But my prayer time looks different than my wife. If you told me I had to get a book every morning and sit down and write in this, these Bible study books. If you told me I had to do that. To me, that sounds a whole lot like what we call school. All right. And I, I am the most educated person that you will ever meet who hated school. I have two master's degrees and I hated every single second of all of it. All right. It was a means to an ends for me. I did. I hated school. I think it's funny because God's put me here out of school. Isn't that funny? It's like, God, I get it. Okay. I hate school, but you put me out of school. But that's what it sounds like to me. And when I was in school, I was always looking for something funny to say, something funny to do, and I never wanted to do my homework. And so here's what the books look like whenever I try to do one of these studies. I start out strong, day one. It's, I'm all in. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I love this. This is so incredible. Day two, I kind of leave off a page or two. Are you with me? Day three, I'm like, that's okay. I'll skip it. I'll, on day four, I'll do both of them. Right? <laughs> Day five, it's Friday. I should care less about that. I'll catch up. And then six months later, I find it in a drawer and say, oh, yeah, I forgot that thing. And then I end up throwing it away. And that's what happens. However, if you put me in my office over here, 
and you let me listen to a podcast or, or you let me, let me hear or read small snippets of information or you let me, here it is, and this is going to blow your mind. If you let me research something, I am a researcher. If there's an electronic you want to know about, let me know. I enjoy researching. I research cars for people. I research electronics for people. I research homes for people. I, I do that. I have family that call. Hey, man, let me get you on this. I have a neighbor across the street, and he said, he, he literally was looking for a water sprinkler. And he said, hey, um, your water sprinklers. I said, yeah. He said, where'd you get them? I want to buy some. And I said, well, I, you know, I got them online. I told him. And he said, I'm asking you because I know that you put three months of research into them before you bought them. And I said, yes, I did, actually. I looked at every little water sprinkler there was. And so for me, whenever I see a passage of Scripture, what I like to do is, is I like to take little small chunks and dive very, very deep. See, that comes from me loving history. I'm a historian. I taught history. I love, love that aspect of it. And I dive deep on it. And I understand everything around it. And I love that. Some of us, some of us do better just deep diving on short, small snippets. And I want to tell you something. That's okay. That doesn't make you any less a disciple than it does Wendy sitting on the couch, you know, because Wendy is a regimented person. If anything happens in the morning time that throws Wendy off, it's a bad morning for everyone in the house. Are you with me? She's not here so I can talk about her. All right. I hope you're not watching online, dear. Uh, anyway, but, but she is. She's very regimented. It's funny because my son is the same way. He's very regimented as well. He's just forgetful like me, so he forgets that he's regimented. But he is regimented. <laughs> he really is. He's regimented. He is. And so there's two Wendy's and one me in the house. There's Wendy and Blake, and, that's, and, then, and so now it's even because he's at college. And so why do I tell you all this? I tell you all this because how you connect with God individually will look different than how other people connect with God individually, okay? And so don't take your, don't take your experience and lay that on another person and judge that other person because they don't, because they don't do the same thing that you do. I'm going to tell you one of the best things that's happened to me is a cell phone, okay? The cell phone is one of the best things happened to me because there is an app, and I've told you about this before, it's, because, it's called the Bible app. And the Bible app is incredible because every day it will deliver a devotion to you, a well-done devotion to you. It gives you a scripture. It gives you a short three to five minute video of a pastor or a teacher or someone who will, who will talk about that particular verse of the scriptures. It then, it then gives you uh, the full text that you can read. It then gives you a place where you can, you, if, if you don't feel comfortable praying yourself, it'll give you a prayer. And, and it's one of these things where you can actually start doing it. It's an incredible thing. It's all free, by the way. This doesn't cost a penny. It doesn't cost a penny. It's called the Bible app. And the cool thing is, is I see a lot of you guys on it. I really do. Because I'm friends with y'all on the Bible app, and it'll say, your friend so-and-so has started a new study. Your friend so-and-so has done this. Your friend so-and-so has done that. And I love it. But that's one of the best ways that I've learned to connect with God because it's got a little bit of everything. Are you with me? I want to tell you something. Having the technology that we have today, we have no excuse not to connect with God and His Word. We don't. There's no excuse. You can have it on your phone all the time. You can listen to it. You can free. For free, you can listen to it in the car. I mean, I know people that do that. They listen to it in the car. But on a deeper level, 
We need to come and connect with God individually so that when we come corporately, we will be able to glorify God and edify others. Because you can't give what you ain't got. Are you with me? You can't give what you don't have. And we have to connect with God individually. And that's a part of becoming a disciple. And it's a part of being a member of a church. The second thing is this. We connect with God in small groups. We connect with a small group. All right. Now that there's some people here that week. aren't in a small group. And I want to tell you something. You're missing out. Game that was on TV. You're missing out. I want to play a so quick So what does that have to do with small I'm going to tell you what that has uh, to do with small right groups. Because here's what happened in that. Both of those guys were in that game. They were in the competition. And that pitcher hit that young man in the head. Luckily, it hit his helmet. He had a helmet on. And he went down. He took him a little bit. But then he went down to first. And when he was on first, he looked across. And he realized that another person that was in the battle, so to speak, that was in the competition, another person was hurting. And he knew what it felt like to be in that place of hurting because he had experienced it before. And so he stopped and went over and as a support for that person, he simply told him, you're going to be okay. And he hugged him and he said, I'm okay. And you're going to be okay. And it's okay. While that kid sat and wept. When you are connected with a smaller group of people than just this, that's what you do. You are in the battle and you do it together. And you lift each other up and you walk through life together. That's what small groups are. You walk through life together because you understand what it's like to be in the battle. You understand what it's like. You understand the ebbs and the flows of life that come without warning. And small groups help. They're places of encouragement. Small groups are places where you hear from other people and together you walk through life. And the amazing thing about it is, is you have people from all different kinds of backgrounds that come together and that share their experiences, and that talk about what God has done for them, and that talk about what, what they think God's plan is for them. And then this person will say, this person, I went through that with my mom or my dad or whatever, and here's what, here's what God did for me. And then you'll open up the text of the scriptures and you'll say, what does God have to say about this situation? What does God have to say? It's a place where hurts can be discussed. It's a place where healing can happen because there's some times where you can't go to like for for instance, there may be times whenever I can't go to my mom and say, mom, this is what I'm experiencing or feeling because my mom will worry to death about me. She does. And I don't want her to worry about me. But what I do have is I have a smaller group of people that I know that I'm going to meet with every other week that come together and that do life and that walk through life together. In small group. And that's what small group is for. What are some things that me personally, we've dealt in small group. We've dealt with the death of a father in small group. We've dealt with, dealt with the death of a grandfather in small group. 
We've dealt with child-rearing issues in our small group. We've dealt with kids going off to college. And we're about to deal with another one going off to college that's going to do great at Berry College. You're going to do good, son. Trust me, you've been prayed over. All right, don't screw it up for us, okay? Don't make your parents look bad. <clears throat> he won't. He's a good boy. We, we've dealt with what God's will is for jobs. And on and on and on and on. That's what we deal with in small group. Literally, Jesus used small group to change the world. And here at Real Church, we have six adult small groups. And we have two student ministry small groups. And we have two women's small groups now. And we have one men's small group that meets way too early for me. 5.30, Tuesday morning. They literally get up, walk over, wake up the rooster, and then they go to the small group. <clears throat> men's group, that's what they do. And that's for men that go to, go, to, go to work early and do those things. But we have those here. We don't have those here because that's the cool, trendy thing to do. We have those here because I want you and we as a church want you to go deeper in God's Word. Here's what most of the time happens at small group. I, if Lynn gets on me really hard, I will put out on Monday a recap of the sermon for small groups. And I will send it, email it to all the small group leaders. And then those small group leaders will dive deeper into the topic of questions and answers that I have sent out on Mondays. Now there's other small groups, like the women's small group is getting ready to go through. They haven't gone through in a long time. They're going to go through experiencing God. And there's going to be two of those. There's going to be one on Sunday evenings, uh, every other Sunday evening. And there's going to be one that's going to be me here during the day uh, if, if, if you can't come on Sunday evenings um, and you're free during the day. There's one that's going to meet here at the church. That's why we do it. We, we think it's so important that we think our students need to be in small groups. They need to be in small groups with, with you know, we have a girl small group and a guy small group, and they need to go deeper because there's issues that they're going to deal with that they need to talk to people about as well and be free and for it to be a safe place. My thought always has been if small groups were good enough for Jesus, they're good enough for me. And I encourage you to become a disciple. Not only do you connect God with God individually, you are in a small group. The final thing is this, <clears throat> is that we connect with one or two. We connect with one or two. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. Within the 12 disciples, Jesus had three that he kind of connected closer with. Did you guys know that? Okay, here's the, here's the Sunday school lesson. Who are the three that he connected closer to? You got it, didn't you? He said Peter, James, and John. He sure did. Y'all give him a hand. There you go. There you go. Peter, James, and John. Why did he connect closer with them? Let me tell you why he did. Because he was preparing them to lead the way. That's why. He was preparing those three to lead the way. He connected closer with them. Now we need to gather together and we need to gather and attend small groups. But we need to have one or two people in our lives that we're meeting with and connecting with and growing with on a deeper level. We do. I always like to have this. I always like to have one person that's kind of pouring into me and I like one person that I'm kind of pouring into. Are you with me? 
That's part of discipleship. I used to call it, I used to have a buddy of mine. This was so funny. <clears throat> he's a pastor now. I talked to him this week, actually. Uh, last week, actually. He's, he's, a, he's a great, great man. He was such an example for me. He and I are the same age. But he was a great example for me. He's the one that whenever we were, put, we were working in the church together, and he was putting up a church sign, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, wha-bam! He hit his thumb so hard. And I'm down on the ground, and I'm like, you know, I'm in my 20s. And I'm talking about y'all. He hit that thumb so hard with that hammer. And he goes, ah, man. And that blew me away. Because I would have cussed. And I asked him, I said, Paul, let me ask you a question. And he said, what's up? I said, how exactly did you hit your thumb that hard and not curse? And he says, that's just not who I am. And I wanted to pull him off the ladder and beat him up, but I didn't. <laughs> That's the kind of person he is. And he taught me how to become that kind of person. I'm still working on it, but he taught me how to become that kind of person. The kind of, the kind of person that follows and pursues after God in a real way. And he told me this one time, he said... I said, what do you do? Tell me what you do here with it. He said, well, you know, I always have an older gentleman that pours into me that I meet with some. And I said, okay, I, I can do that. And he said, and I always have one person on my radar. I said, okay, well, cool, cool. And then I started thinking. And I looked at him and I said, who's on your radar right now? <laughs> and he said, I'm looking at him. I was on his radar. He didn't have to do that. He, he didn't have to take the time to talk to me, to minister to me. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to take the time to teach me when I was young and ignorant about the Bible and didn't know anything. I was just, you know what I mean? He didn't have the time. He didn't have to do any of that. But he did. And I'm thankful for him. Even though we were the same age, I was on his radar. And he was pouring into me. We should always have that one person that holds us accountable. We should always have that one person who's on our radar. You know, it's amazing. I, I, I shared this with a, with a teacher here this week. And I'll close with this. <clears throat> um, I shared it with a teacher here this week because it's someone that I consider to be very, very faithful in their walk with Christ. And I said, let me ask you a question because I'm talking about this Sunday. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, Tell me, tell me um, your memories. Did you have someone that was pouring into you when you were growing in Christ and you were working, you know, you were literally working out your faith with fear and trembling. You were, you were in that situation. And she said, absolutely. And then she called the person's name. And she says, I will never forget the conversations that we had. I'll never forget the way that she treated me in such a way, the way that she, the way that she helped me in such a way. The, the, and this is one for me, too, because Paul was so patient, the patience that she had and how I learned from that person and how I, 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 I was changed because of our experience over that, that, that year, period of a couple of years. She said, I've never forgotten it. Of course I had that. And we all need that. We all need to not only submit to God, but we also need to submit to someone who can pour into us 
And then when they do that, you likewise pour into someone else. <clears throat> Are you with me? It's ironic right now because this person is actually pouring into someone else right now, and it's so cool. It's so cool to sit back and watch. Not in a, well, I'm the teacher and you're the student kind of way, but in a, hey, let's grab some coffee. I love you. Let's talk. We become disciples. We become disciples by literally throwing ourselves into small group, knowing that we may share some things that are uncomfortable to us, but when we do share them, we realize that they're not, other people have the same experiences. By the way, that's how the enemy, by the way, that's how the enemy gets you, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not. That's how the enemy works. The enemy would work and tell you that what you're dealing with is so big and it's so weird and no one's ever dealt with that before. That's how he, that's how he works. He works by making you scared to share it with someone. And then you share it with someone and realize, oh my gosh, well, everybody else deals with the same thing. He tries to make your situation be all so awful and so this and so that. But the reality is, is that a lot of people have dealt with the same thing you've dealt with. And probably the way God works, someone around your circle will be dealing with the same thing. But he makes it so big that you don't want to say or you don't want to share. But we have small group. We, we connect with God individually. And then we connect with one or two on a consistent basis that we build up and that build us up. And that's part of the process of becoming a disciple. And that's the plan that God has for us in our church. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the mechanism that you make for us. Thank you so much for the mechanism <clears throat> that you made to become disciples. Thank you so much that your plan is, is for us to teach one another. For one person to teach another and then that person teach another. And then on and on and on. Until the whole world knows that you are God. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you gave us an example of small groups. I'm so thankful that you gave us an example of, of how we are to live our lives, pouring into other people and allowing other people to pour into us. And so, God, today, I pray that our church will allow, the people in our church will allow themselves to be discipled. And not just come on Sundays and leave, but will allow themselves to be discipled, truly discipled, and to see their lives change. Because, God, wherever you are, no one stays the same. We're always changed, God, when you come around. And we're thankful for that. Lord, let us become more and more like you. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.